Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bible, to the first book of the New Testament, which is Matthew chapter one. This is like, I remember as a kid, Christmas evenings and Christmas time when we would sit as a family and talk about the Christmas story. If my dad said we were gonna open to Matthew, I was like, oh no. The first 17 verses are a bunch of names of people that I don't know or understand or care about, really. And it was just like, that was just torture to be sitting there with all of these presents three feet away and then 17 chapters of what I thought was like, you know, Chinese water torture for me as a, as a youngster going, oh Lord, just we gotta get through this. Is there a way to bypass this? And I've actually held this for a lot of my life, looking at these first verses of Matthew going, what is the reason? Um, then earlier this year, on a trip that I was on, I bought a book, just uh, randomly bought a book in a Christian bookstore in some city in the States. And, and that book was about uh, Jesus in the Old Testament. The whole book was this deep, uh, deep, deep uh, educational dissertation on how Jesus is found in the whole Old Testament. And that book opens with these first 17 verses of Matthew. And I'm literally, I open the book and I'm like, oh my goodness, not again. These names, I can't get past them. But we're gonna t- I'm not gonna read the whole 17 verses for you. I like reading, uh, but we're not gonna read that right now. What I do want to talk to you about for a few minutes today is why those first 17 verses are essential to our understanding of who Jesus is. Oftentimes we wanna pick it up in verse 18 when it talks about the birth narrative of Jesus. But Matthew writing for a Jewish audience was very careful in how he constructed those first 17 verses of his book. Matthew was writing to to bridge a gap, a 400-year silence on the earth. There was no prophetic words or insight for 400 years. And Matthew was writing to address and bridge this gap between what had God, what God had historically done in the nation of Israel for thousands of years and what was about to happen. And these 17 verses, these names and genealogies were written for the express purpose of outlining the identity of Jesus Christ in a few ways. Number one, 
Matthew wanted to underscore that Jesus was a real person who came from a real family, came from a real nation in a real period of time. He's not just some demigod figure of our imagination. Jesus is not just a figure of great literary works and writing. He was a real person who lived in real time and was the son of real parents and was a real brother and lived in a real nation on the earth. These verses from Matthew underscored the humanity of Jesus. That he's not just this great idea, a fanciful idea, but that he actually was a real person in real time, in a real place in history. This is essential for us as we understand this dual nature of Jesus, this mystery that none of us can fully grasp, that he's fully God and fully man. Matthew takes these first 17 verses to impart, outline the reality of Jesus' humanity and remind us that who he is is a product of thousands of years of history. Matthew also uses these verses to underscore what would become the divinity of Jesus. That he wasn't just a random kid from a random family, that he was from a specific family and a specific tribe, that he had a specific calling on his life and a specific purpose in living. And as Matthew traces him back to the line of David and, and goes back to Abraham, he illustrates that not only was Jesus a real person who lived in real time and struggled with real things, but that he was part of a larger story that God was writing, that he alone was called to fulfill a specific part of. And so Matthew goes to great lengths to unlock for us this dual identity of Jesus, that he was fully man, present in society in his day, walking like we do from house to house and place to place, but that he was also part of a larger narrative that God was writing on the earth and with humanity. I was asking, I was asking God, what, again, what does this mean for us? And the word that came to my mind over the last week was identity. Our identity in our human sense, but also in a spiritual sense, is probably the greatest tool and weapon that we have in our spiritual life journey. But identity, especially in today's culture, is under incredible attack. It's actually the enemy who is looking to erode 
identity in our life. He's, he's actually looking to allow you to believe that the things that people label you as, that they are your identity. He's actually looking to speak to you a false identity about who you are and what you've been called to do, about what Jesus has done for you. He's actually looking to erode identity across the world right now. And we see these global movements happening that are the erosion of identity because the enemy of God knows that if you can understand who you belong to and what he's invited you to do, that there's nothing that he can do, there's no force of hell that can stop the purposes and plans of God for your life. The only one that can stop it is you. You are the only one that can derail the plans of God for your life. If you want proof, just look at the life of Joseph. He was the only one who had a choice as to what he was going to do with the things that were happening into his life. It wasn't the Pharaoh that could derail it. It wasn't his family that could derail it. No one can derail the purpose and calling that God has for you except for you. And the essential key to understanding and unlocking that is recognizing your identity in Christ, who God is and who you are. And so Matthew goes to great lengths to underscore this identity of Jesus, that he was fully man, that, that he struggled with the same things that we struggle with. That he had to grow, the Bible says, that he grew in wisdom. That he progressively learned and uncovered his calling and his nature and his character. This is what Matthew is underscoring for us. I want you to turn with me, if you can, as we talk about Jesus' identity. We're going to look at two passages. One is in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. This is one of my favorite passages. Daniel chapter 7. So Matthew has underscored the humanity of Jesus. He's underscored uh, the family lineage he comes from and the line that he comes from. What we're about to read is not the humanity of Jesus, but his spiritual identity, the spiritual reality. You know, the Bible actually says in Ephesians 1, 4, actually, let's just pull that up if we can. In Ephesians 1, verse 4, it says that he chose us in him before the foundation of the earth even, before God set to forming and making the earth. We were in his heart and in his mind that he actually knew us, that he created us. We've existed before we've even physically existed. And what Matthew is underscoring here is that Jesus isn't just flesh and bones, which he was, but that he had a divine purpose and a divine calling. And what Ephesians 1.4 tells us is that we all have a unique purpose and a divine calling that he's inviting us to step into. Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, 
With the clouds of heaven there came one like the Son of Man. That's Jesus. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, one that shall not be destroyed. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, we get another glimpse of Jesus. It says this, Then I turned to see the voice, this is 1 verse 12, that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. This is a picture of Jesus. This is a picture of the true nature and identity of that fragile, helpless, vulnerable little baby. He was not this weak man who was just scraping by for his life. He was the king of kings. His true identity is revealed in these two passages that in the middle of, of the humility that he was born into and the vulnerability that he was born into, there was incredible strength and purpose, that there was power, that there was an identity and a relationship with God, his Father, that there was a calling on his life to fulfill. And the Bible says that you and I have been given that same calling, that in our unique ways we're invited to understand who we are and who God is and what he's created us to do. The picture of Jesus as this little infant and this little child is not one for us to look at and feel sorry for him. It's to understand that God is saying, look, according to man, weakness is something to be hated. And vulnerability is something to turn away from. According to us, strength comes when we exert our force and dominate people. But this little child who wrote the cosmos into existence with the word of his mouth turns the tables on us and says, in your weakness, I'm strong. And that my grace is sufficient for you. You can't earn my approval or my love. I give it to you freely. Let us never mistake the gentleness and humility and vulnerability of Jesus for weakness. The Bible says that his voice thunders over the water. Bible says that on the cross, when, when Jesus had finished his work on the cross, that he led the devil and all of hell in a train behind him as a victorious, conquering king. Never for a minute believe that Jesus represents weakness. What he represents is an opportunity for us 
to carry these two natures that he did as a spiritual lion with strength and power, but as a gentle lamb in his relationships with those around him. This Christmas season, your greatest gift to your family and your friends and your coworkers is not going to be exercising a display of your wealth or of your generosity, of your strength, or of your wisdom or your kindness or your goodness. Your greatest display of strength is going to be getting on your knees and praying for them like a lion spiritually, but then walking in gentleness and humility and vulnerability with them in your interactions with them. This was the world that Jesus lived in and understood. That his identity was not just rooted in what was happening around him, but that he had a heavenly calling and a heavenly purpose and a heavenly identity that could not be taken away from him. The Bible says, and it's a mystery to us, that we are literally right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you are right now seated with him at the right hand of the Father. Just think about that for a second. <laughs> I, I don't get that fully. But what God has been challenging me with and stirring me with and asking me to contemplate is, Andrew, would you live a different way? Would you actually live to hear what I'm speaking in the heavenly places and to see what I'm doing in the heavenly places? And would you bring heaven down to earth with you? Would you carry it in humility and gentleness? Would you carry it in vulnerability, not weakness? But would you bring what is happening in heaven down to earth? And this is what Jesus did. He brought heaven to earth. He brought healing and salvation and life and grace and mercy with him. Everywhere he walked, there was a confrontation of kingdoms happening not because of who he was in his family lineage on earth only, but because of who he was on earth, but also who he was in heaven. And his invitation to you and I today is not that we would just know what our family tree is, but that we would know and be rooted in our spiritual lineage that we would somehow live with one foot in both realities as Jesus did. That we would be living under the kingdom of God in our life, expressing his authority and his power and his goodness and his faithfulness and his grace in our lives. Waking up every day and saying, what is your assignment for me today? The Bible is so clear. It says that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. He had to grow in faithfulness. He had to grow in faithfulness with God. 
He had to grow in his ability to hear and understand and walk in obedience to the voice of his father. But later on in his ministry, he said, I only speak what I hear my father speaking to me and I only do what I see him doing. I was thinking about my week this last week and there were three distinct moments where I utterly failed in that assignment. Like, abysmally failed. And I'm so thankful for the grace of God, but I was in the States getting a package for my wife for Christmas, and I was at the U.S. Postal Service area, and um, I was waiting for my package. And there was a woman who came in and she was frantically dinging the bell to get the service people to come to the front and she just looked totally distraught and the woman came to the door and she said, oh, you're back again. And she said, yes, have you found my package? And the postal worker said, no, we we haven't found your package. And this woman's face and her countenance just sunk and she just said, well, what about this? And what about that? And what do I do? And with every passing minute, the, the weight and the gravity of her not finding whatever it was she was looking for was visibly affecting her. And I'm standing there watching this conversation. And I just sense God saying, this is a moment where I want to bring heaven to earth. Would you ask her if she believes in prayer? And I stood there watching this conversation and this woman distraught, And it was like there was, like I couldn't even talk. I went to talk and then I pulled back and I went to talk and I pulled back and I'm wrestling internally. And it came to a point where this woman, finally when she realized there was nothing they could do for her, she looked at me straight in the eyes and had this look of desperation on her face. And I didn't say anything. And she left. And the moment she left, I cried because I said, God, I'm so sorry. You were just inviting me to bring heaven to earth, to show her that you loved her and that you cared about her. I felt the Holy Spirit specifically saying to me, pray for her to find the package and when she does, tell her it's because I love her. And I didn't do it. And I kept praying as I drove out of there and I drove down the street. I said, God, I'm so sorry. If I missed a chance to bring your kingdom on earth, to bring your goodness and your faithfulness, your salvation, I don't know what would have happened. But God is inviting us in these moments and in these days as we're with family and friends, he's inviting us. Would you just ask me? Because I want to bring the kingdom of heaven in your homes and around your table and in your workplace. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he said this, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then he said this, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. And that's not some generic catch-all phrase. 
That's literally, God, would I hear what you're speaking in heaven? Would you release my eyes to see what you're doing so that what's happening in the heavenly places can come down to earth and carry your goodness and extend your borders and bring your life? His invitation to us today is not to just see Jesus as this frail, fragile little baby, but to see him fully man, flesh and bones with a divine calling and assignment and strength from the king. His invitation to you and to me today is would you be willing, would you be willing to step out in faith and begin to ask me what I'm doing, what's taking place in the heavenly realms so that you can carry that on the earth? Would you live with an open heaven above you? And I'm telling you, the only thing stopping it is between our ears. Do you believe and have a right understanding of your identity who you are in Christ, who he is, and what he says about you. Jesus fulfilled so many prophetic words about his life that came hundreds of years before because he understood whose he was, who he was, and what he was assigned to do. And God has given each one of you an assignment and a calling and a purpose that comes from the very throne room of God. The question is, are you willing to hear it? Do you wanna see it? And would you be willing to trust him enough to take those baby steps? I've never, I, I can't even remember the last time I felt so ashamed and grieved as I did after this encounter at the post office in the States. But I also experienced just a wave of God's grace and his love and his mercy and his kindness. He's not looking for just sin management in your life. He's looking for people who would step up and say, I'm willing to go on assignment for you with my family and my friends and in my workplace because he has a heavenly kingdom assignment and it's expressed through spiritual authority as the lion, but humility and gentleness in your relationships with others. Let's stand together. I wanna pray for you today. There's so much more we could do. We'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow. My prayer for you today, my sincere prayer for you today, is that you would just simply hear the affirmation from the Father of who he is over you and who you are under him. My prayer for you today is that you would experience what it's like to walk in kingdom power and authority on the earth the way Jesus did.
We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church at and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.